713, are you eastbound on Brooklyn? Shots fired. Northbound 41 from Brooklyn. Welcome to the Slapshot USA Shots Fired podcast, where we help you learn to prepare, prevent, and protect. We know how to keep you and your family safe because it's been our family's business for over 30 years. Every month, we will have multiple segments from differing topics, um, hosts and perspectives from law enforcement, product experts, legal perspectives in Washington State, and updates of the market as we keep our finger on the pulse in our neck of the woods here in Cowlitz County. This is episode one of our Prepare segment. Today's episode, I will be addressing the most common mistakes of new and experienced gun owners alike when preparing to purchase a firearm. Believe it or not, even your most avid gun owners make mistakes in the gun buying and background check process. But first, we're going to take a quick commercial break before we dive right in. This is Mike, local owner of your Longview Grocery Outlet. Every time you check out a grocery outlet, you're saving 40 to 60% off brand name groceries, 40 to 60% off beer and wine, 40 to 60% off organics, 40 to 60% off protein powders and vitamins, fresh meat, fresh produce, fresh dairy, housewares, pet supplies. Come see how much you can save. We'll circle your savings when you check out. Local owners, low prices, and lots to love. Longview Grocery Outlet. All right, everybody, welcome back, and let's jump right into it. So being at the gun shop five to six days a week, uh, you know, I see a lot of mistakes and um, a lot of ill-prepared people who come in looking to purchase a firearm. So today, what we're going to be going over is all the do's and don'ts, kind of, when you're preparing um, purchase your firearm. The big one, come prepared. What does that actually mean, prepared? Um, if we hear these questions when helping you buy your gun, you can probably guess it. You didn't really come that prepared. So what do you mean that I have to do a background check for a shotgun? I thought you could just walk out with a shotgun. I thought you could just buy any gun and walk out same day, but I have my concealed carry license. What do you mean I need a driver's license? What is, what is that used for? Well, no, this address isn't current on my driver's license. I haven't lived there for two years. So these are just some of the questions and comments that we get when we complete these background checks, right? So the reality of purchasing a firearm is very different than what the media makes it out to be, what Facebook makes it out to be, and it's even different than it was just a short two years ago. A lot of laws have changed in the last two years. A lot of voting happened in 2018, including things like 1639, right? Many people don't know that the actual process um, and what it entails for a gun dealer and for the buyer, kind of what you have to do to get that purchase done and do it correctly. So today I'm going to give you an inside look into the process and the requirements upon uh, the gun purchaser and us as the dealer. So the next gun shop that you go into for your next purchase and you can be ready to go and be prepared to purchase any firearm you need a couple of things. First is going to be a current, updated, and valid government-issued photo identification. Now, this can be, uh, you know, your driver's license is the most common. It can be any kind of, like, military ID. It just has to have your name, your current address, and that's your residential address, not a P.O. box or anything like that, and it has to be issued by the government. Your water bill is not going to work, and it has to have a current address. It has to have a valid expiration 
end date. It can't be stamped. It can't be punched, any of that stuff. So it has to be a valid ID. Sometimes you don't have that. That's okay. We understand there's things called supplemental documentation. Supplemental documentation is something that you can use that um, if you don't have a current address on there or you've changed your name or things like that, if you have another government issued form and it can be electronic, like on the DOL website, uh, how you can get in and show that you updated your ID, your address in the DOL, but you didn't update your ID, then that would work, right? Uh, you can come in with your passport. You can come in with your concealed carry license. If your concealed carry license has that valid address on it, that can be used as a supplemental if you didn't update your address. There's a lot of things that you can use. Different gun shops have different discretions. Some don't like certain types of forms. That really comes down to the gun shop. So it's really good to know your local gun shop, ask them what kind of supplemental documentation they'll take and kind of go from there. There's another piece called restoration of rights, right? Everybody's known about that. We've heard about it. It's been in the news a lot lately about how they're changing a lot of things for voting, for gun rights, for people who are restoring their rights. If you restore your rights and you come in, you need to make sure that you have that documentation. If you don't have that documentation, there's a good chance you're going to be denied on the spot. And you need to know how to fill out the form. Reading into how to fill out that form after you've restored your rights is essential because you're going to check the boxes differently. So it's really important that you know what things are going to change once you've restored your rights, what boxes that you need to check, and how you're going to fix that. The next piece behind it is you need to make sure that you have a copy of that form for the dealer to be able to send in with your background check. If you have something called a UPIN, we'll have another segment going really deep into how to get a UPIN. A UPIN is a unique personal identification number. So if you get denied all the time because you have a common name, things like that, it's good to have that be prepared and have that with you so you can put it in. We cannot look it up for you. You need to have that ready to go. Um, if you are a resident in the United States but not a citizen, it is very important that you have your residence card. Yes, you can still buy a gun. You just need to have the proper identification. Buying different guns is also done differently. In Washington state, we are what's called a partial background check state. Basically, that means everything's super complicated. So half of the guns are background checked in one way. And then the other half of the guns are done in a completely different way. But everything starts off with the federal form 4473, or you'll hear 4473. You have to fill out the 4473 to initiate all of the rest of the check, whether it's through the state check or whether it's through the federal check. All right. So shotguns, receivers, frames, those kinds of things, those are regulated through the federal checks. And those are done in what's called the NICS system. So the FBI. FBI NICS system. That's generally an instant check. Usually, if your firearm is being checked through that system, you can walk out same day. And that is with or without a concealed carry. However, if you get a delay, then you would have to go into Brady Law and you'd have to wait a certain amount of days before you could pick up the firearm. Shotguns are one of the easiest things to buy in Washington State. Yes, but there's a lot of things that are changing. They're trying to change that. Washington is moving into a complete background check state done by the state, so it's not going to be split up anymore. But now, if you're going to buy a pistol or buying a semi-automatic rifle, that's very different. That is run by Washington State. That background check is done by your local police department, not the police department in which the gun shop is. So it's going to be run by where you live, where your address is, that local police department of your jurisdiction. So the, the uh, gun shop has to know where you live. That's why having a current address is so essential 
pull on these, right? So when you complete your 4473, once that is all done up and you have your current address on there, your address on your 4473, your name, your information on that 4473, which is your background check, has to be the same as your license or your photo identification that you are using for the background check. That's why it's important if it doesn't match, you have to have supplemental documentation or your background will be automatically denied before it's even run. So on the second piece, if you're doing that pistol, if you're doing that semi-automatic rifle, gun shop, we have to do what's called a DOL, pistol transfer application or semi-automatic rifle transfer application. So these transfer applications are then filled out and sent over to your local police department based on where you live. So these forms are a whole nother beast in their own. We have to re-put in all of this information copied over from the 4473 onto these new forms. It's got four additional questions that you have to answer. You also have to sign off that you're certifying all the information is true. We have to fax that over. It's gonna get you run through DSHS, and then they're gonna take that and they're going to run also your information through the NIC system just like we would. And then the police department has the discretion to allow you to purchase the firearm or not purchase the firearm. Now pistols, they don't have a mandatory waiting time in Washington at this point in time. However, semi-automatic rifles, those do. You're looking at at least 10 business days per 1639. If you don't know what 1639 is, it was voted in in 2018. I definitely encourage you to look up 1639, look up the RCW, do not look on Facebook to see what it is. There's a lot of misinformation about what 1639 is and how you can do it and what that law means. So make sure that you look it up in the RCW, read the information yourself and come to your own conclusions. Back to it. Now, when you're buying a semi-automatic rifle, you also have to have that 1639 certification. If you do not have that certification, you cannot buy the rifle. It's that simple. You will get denied before we even send your background check in. There's a question that asks, do you have your 1639 certification, your gun safety certification as required by RCW 9.4, blah, 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 blah. Okay. If you don't have it, you will not be able to get your rifle. So this is only semi-automatic rifles. This is not bolt action. This is not pump. This is not single shot break actions. This is semi-automatic rifles only that this applies to. You also have to pay an $18 DOL fee because if it wasn't complicated enough, the Department of Licensing is actually the ones who manage firearm safety in Washington state. Why that makes any sense? It doesn't. If you call there, they're not a whole lot of help because they don't actually know the proper terminology about stuff, especially since your pistol transfer application is also used for revolvers, which are handguns, not pistols. Pistols are something different entirely. When you're completing this form, you need to make sure that you have the proper paperwork for it. When you're doing the pistol, it's essentially the same stuff for the 4473. You don't need anything extra, anything special. All of your information just needs to be true, valid, and match. But make sure when you do your semi-automatic rifle background check that you have your 1639 certification. If you do not have it, it is offered for free by gun shops. Gun shops 
hated the law so much that instead of charging to be able to get this certification, which is good for five years, they offered it for free. Sporting Systems out in Vancouver has an online version of this application. It takes like 15 minutes, maybe less if you're really good at reading. And you can get through it, you print it out, you bring it into the shop, you're good to go. Now that we've kind of gone over the thick of the background check process, right? We got multiple forms we have to fill out. Different guns require different forms. The dealers know what this is, but it's really good when you know the process so you're not surprised and ticked off and asking why you have to fill out so much paperwork because you don't remember ever having to do this in the past. Well, things change, okay? It's very different than it was 20 years ago. It's very different than it was two years ago when they started voting in stuff for background check changes. So when you come in, you're also going to do that 4473 right off the bat. So once you star that, these are the biggest mistakes that everybody makes when they're doing their background check. Last name is first. When you read the little boxes, everybody likes to write their first name in that box. It's last, first, then middle. Cadence. Cadence means like junior, second, the third. You have to write that in with your last name. And it's very important. If it's on your ID, it needs to be on the background check. When people are going through and writing in their address, they love to write country where county is. If you don't know your county, just ask or use the magic of your phone and Google. Look up your address, see what county you're in. The next one is going to be place of birth. Place of birth is state and city. If you you were born in a foreign country, you only have to write down the foreign country in which you were born. You do not have to write the city, you do not have to write the state. If you were born in the United States, you have to write the state and the city in which you were born. The next big one and the one that everybody has to argue about, ethnicity and race. These two questions are separate questions. They have their own numbers. They are separate. Ethnicity is not the same thing as race. In the federal government, they like to identify ethnicity as a cultural identification, and there's only one group of people that land in that, and that is Latinos and Hispanics. So if you are a Latino and a Hispanic, then you would have to check, I am Latino or Hispanic. If you are not Latino or Hispanic, then you would have to check, I am not Latino or Hispanic. Then you go on to race, and that has Native American Indian, and it's got Hawaiian and it's got Asian and it's got African American and it's got white and all those other boxes that you want to check off. So if you are a Latino, that 4473 identifies Latinos or people who were born of North, South, or Central America as Native Americans. So that would be your primary box. If you identify as white, you can check white. This is one of those ones that it doesn't really have to match what's on your ID. Everybody gets really confused on those. Ethnicity and race are not the same thing. You have to check one from each section when you are filling this out. And it is required that you complete every checkbox in this unless it is listed as optional, like social security. However, ethnicity and race are not optional. You must check one of these boxes. So when you're going through it, the next thing that's on there is your certification date. Everybody asks what the certification date is. Certification date is the date that you are certifying. All the information on this application that you have completed is true to the best of your knowledge and ability. So it's today's date. If you're signing it, 
then you date it. That's the certification date. So a lot of these questions have changed. Some of these questions changed back in November. It's very important that you don't just check the boxes and run through it in the same routine you've done for the last 20 years because they like to change things. This form changed back in November. It's important to read the questions all the way through when you're going through them. Some of them say, if you are a U.S. citizen, leave blank. Everybody fills them out because they think they're the same questions they always were. They were not. The next thing, when you're going through on your Washington DOL form, there is no option for ethnicity. If you are a Latino and you are doing a Washington DOL form for a semi-automatic rifle or a pistol, you will have to choose a race in Latino, Mexican, or Hispanic of any type is not on there for ethnicity and or race. If you're not sure how you're supposed to mark your box, I can't say I would encourage you to call your local law enforcement because they don't actually know. They're not sure what box to check. Most of the time they recommend that you check white, which is not accurate. But when you're filling that out, just do it to the best of your ability. If you can mark it the same that's on your ID, great. Most of the time it's not going to match on that point, but it's not going to get you denied. So don't worry about that. So biggest thing when you're coming in to purchase your gun, is that you need to make sure you have proper documentation, valid documentation. Valid documentation means that you have address, that it is not expired, and everything that you need supplemental if that is not matching. And that when you fill out these forms, if you fill out one of the questions wrong, it is within the gun shop's right to just deny you on the spot. They don't have to tell you why. They don't have to tell you that you filled out anything wrong. They don't have to give you a second chance. You can look up these applications, these forms, they're called a 4473 on the ATF website. Anybody can look them up. You have to fill them out in the gun shop at the presence of the people who are selling you the guns, okay? You can't fill it out at home. You can't bring it in afterwards. It has to be filled out by you in front of them and identification matched. All right, now I know this is a lot to take in. There's a lot of information and you might have to listen to this a couple times when you're coming in. The biggest thing, if you take away anything from today, is that when you come in to do your background check, you understand there's a lot of paperwork to be filled out. Along with that paperwork, you need to make sure that you have a valid ID with a current and updated address. Those are the big ones that always get missed. When you're filling out your 4473, most of our staff, we always tell you where people miss the mark, where people hit those pieces like accidentally doing country instead of county or forgetting to put junior and senior on pieces and missing ethnicity because they marked that they were white. We'll help you out with a lot of those things. Some of the things we can't help you out with is making sure that you have a current and valid ID or that you have supplemental documents documentation. When you come in, just do the best you can. If you're not sure the process is, definitely call in or come into our shop as our phones are usually getting blown up about nine millimeter ammunition and our staff are happy to help you out. So before we wrap things up, the final prepare piece today is about knowing your current state laws. If you go outside of the state and try to purchase a firearm, it's going to be very, very different. If you try to go into Oregon, go just about across the bridge over to Rainier, and you try to buy a pistol, you cannot buy a pistol from that shop. You can purchase it, but you can't complete your background check there because Washington requires that the background check for pistols and semi-automatic rifles be done in Washington state by a Washington federal firearm license dealer, which is an FFL. It's all of your gun shops, guys. FFL, if they're selling guns, they have to have one. If you want to buy these guns, you have to transfer them into the state, even if it's just across the bridge. 
knowing the laws and being responsible about these laws and voting on these laws is the responsibility of gun owners and citizens. And it's our duty to know the state laws that are being voted and that are being changed. One of the big changes that people didn't know about, concealed carry does not allow you to walk out same day with a pistol anymore. That was voted in 2018, implemented 2019, July 1. I have a lot of people that come in still trying to walk out same day with a gun and get mad at me because I won't let them walk out same day with their gun because they have a concealed pistol license. Well, that's not how the law is anymore in Washington, and that's something that people should know. It's been two years, going up on three years now since that was voted in. You need to make sure that you know that information. Many people who come into our shop buy a semi-automatic rifle and a pistol, and they can walk out same day. You can't do that. You can do it with a shotgun if you are approved and not delayed. You can do it with bolt action rifles. You can do it with pump rifles. You can do it with lever action rifles. You cannot walk out same day with a semi-automatic rifle due to 1639 and the changes in those laws. That was voted and changed in 2018, you guys. It was implemented in 2019. It's been a couple of years. Make sure that you're up to date and that you're following these laws. You're following this information and you're not just looking on Facebook and seeing what people are saying. You're actually going in, reading the RCWs and coming to conclusions on your own. So don't get mad at the gun shops because you forgot to follow what happened or choose not to vote. We think it's stupid chew trust me we don't like these changes we don't like having to see people upset but this is the way the law is we made sure that we went out and voted we tried to get some appeals on some of this stuff we tried to get some of it taken out it didn't happen all right so that's pretty much everything for today for episode one of our prepare series so on our next episode of our prepare series we'll be discussing u pins what they are do you need one and how do you get one so thanks for joining me today and I hope to see you prepared at your next gun purchase.